And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Three ah! are United States Astro Robots. They come a creature of death. Oh. And they. We have come here to this planet for. One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. And welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B Movie Podcast. From class to the cults and all the cheese in between, the movies are B. With your entertainment is grade A. And I am your host, Mr. Jason Jackanetti. And I'm joined again by my dad, Mr. Al Jackanetti. Hey, Jason, how are you? I guess today we've got some feedback. Yeah. Which is uh, which is rare, but I'd I really appreciate it. Yeah, and we're going to do a whole feedback episode, folks. So no movie this time. This is our special. We kind of dropped this uh, in between the regular episode and our Christmas episodes. We're going to do some feedback. So here we go. The first one says... The Monster of Pages Blancas, a lost film. Maybe it should stay lost. This is from Luke. Uh, Jay, had the opportunity to listen to your episode covering The Monster of Pages Blancas and have to agree with you and you, your and dad's assessment. I mean, there's a cheap genre filmmaking, and then there's cheap genre <laughs> filmmaking, and this falls firmly in the latter category. That said, I can't help but have some affection for a uh, piecemeal titular ca- uh, monster. I retain fond memories of seeing pictures of him in Famous Monsters magazine, an exotic-sounding title to a little kid in New York, anyway, always appealed to me. His look is quite striking, especially given my love for the creature of Black Lagoon. The other memory which immediately jumps to mind is, I believe, the first kit you did of the of the monster. You were specific, uh, specifically did the nameplate, and I quote, like a Mexican restaurant, which never fails to make me laugh. Looking forward to more bees as always, Luke. Okay, so what Luke is referring to there in the very end there is the first uh, resin kit I built. Yeah, from that's from. Uh, but is it the first resin, resin? From the grave? No, I know who it's from, but is that yeah. my first resin kit I ever built? Well, the, the well no, 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 uh, no. The first resin kit I built was the hideous Sunday. Hideous Sunday, which came yes. out great. Which, which was when I was, I was like, I painted. Yes. Okay, so okay, so the hideous sun demon was the first resin kit I ever built because I had built a Freddy Krueger uh, vinyl. I had built plastic uh, T Rex. We built we built some plastic and vinyls, but it was my first resin. Uh, and then the, the Monster Pages Blancas was one of the first ones I ever bought. But yes, when I did the name, that's the one I couldn't get the legs to stay on because literally the leg cuts. Okay, so for those of you who don't do modeling, um, imagine an action figure who came whose legs were severed in the middle of their thigh. But instead of having a place that actually fit together well, 
they were completely smooth and you had to figure out how to get them to stay together well. And it's not like the top was light. It's all super heavy. So he kept splitting apart. So I got them together. Um, some big nails and everything else holding together. But uh, yeah, and Luke, sorry, I did do and that my, one of my, my signature uh, nameplate designs when I was younger was the Mexican restaurant sign. That's where we refer to it. Because around here, there are several Mexican restaurants that are have signs that have like yellow oh, and, and green and, and orange. orange and stuff. And it looks like they gradiate through. You would normally call that a gradation uh, nameplate, but I usually refer to it as Mexican restaurant, which is pretty funny because I've done it a number of times. Um, not to be confused with the when you do the middles are all yellow and then you build out the color on the outside to match. This is literally paint all yellow, then paint a, a line of yellow, uh, orange, and yeah. then red and whatever. Or, or so, the other ones, like when we, when, what I did with the blob, is that you make it look like the blood is the, the blob is actually pouring itself over the the name plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying, but there's all different ways <clears throat> to do it. And yeah. um, the Mex the uh, the the restaurant Mexican restaurant style um, is not always well received. Uh, people think that looks kind of like looks amateurish, but I think it looks kind of to me. I mean, it, it looks striking. No, well, but I think it looks B movieish, and that's yeah, why I yeah. do it on. I don't ever. I wouldn't do that on like a very serious like. Well, I don't have a lot of nameplates. I don't really like nameplates on things. Um, but to me, if I had nameplates on it, like I make it look like that when I'm doing something where it's kind of kind of be fun and campy and stuff like that. Which let's face it, the Macho Pages Blanca should be that way. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, you know my style is I, I like the nameplates and I also like the mini the little mini posters that mm -hmm. that go with them. And a lot of times the mini posters look like yeah, you know the, well, the that's multicolor. What I was that's what I was doing. I was doing a lot of those. So back in Famous Monsters, for those of you who didn't read Famous Monsters. Uh, I mean, obviously the covers were very striking, you know, sometimes it'll be the Golgoth picture, oh. sometimes or whatever. I mean, the covers were to draw you in and then the insides are all black and white. Right. So you didn't get to really tell what the posters were. So when you got, when you finally got old enough to see that these posters look like in color, you had to get people's attention, lots of yellows and reds and oranges and stuff. So if I'm painting a kit that's predominantly green and let's face it, the monster of pages black is a lot of green and he's holding the severed head in his hand. He actually is palming the severed head. That was the best part. Because I was new to modeling and I didn't really understand yet how to make blood not look like staged, like like uh, hammers, red paint. Right. So I was working on making blood effects and reading and doing all this stuff. And I really was trying to perfect that down um, and kind of make it not just a giant pile of blood in his hand. Uh, so, but again, we have a very green creature. To me, uh, you know, yellows and oranges and stuff really on the nameplate make it pop up. Um, plus I think that thing, then I sand the base, put sand on the base and yeah, stuff too. Yeah. It's, I gotta remember it's sitting on my shelf. It's, it's downstairs in the basement it's sitting on the shelf. It's one of the older kits I've done. So, but, uh, yeah, Luke is right. That's, uh, very much, uh, um, yeah, that's a big memory there. And also the idea though, that we definitely saw a lot of this in the famous monster film land, uh, the, the, it was, you know, when the shock award this fictitious awarded it won. And it's really funny when you think back about the Monster Pages Blancas is that it never aired anywhere. No one's really ever seen yeah. the movie theater and it's kind of a lost film. And yes, it's kind of a ripoff of Creature Black Lagoon. And yes, they did use the mole people's hands. And yes, it's kind of pieced together in a town, you know, with people who are quote unquote acting and stuff like that. But, you know, for, for a movie of its time, it actually fits oh. a lot of what it was. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, I, and we reviewed that thing, uh, you know, in depth. And uh, I think we were pretty honest. With yeah. It. Yeah. That's important. So, all right, our next email up is from uh, our listener, Jack Vaughn, and it's titled, Curses the Mummy. Uh, I noticed they're hunting Kaharis with torches here. I thought there was one, of, one where the townspeople fought the mummy with torches and pitchforks. I see in the mummy's ghost a lot of the posse has sticks, clubs. That's a, that's a better word. 
I'll blame my mistake on an old late-night broadcast and a crummy TV set. I guess they were saving ammunition for the war effort. But but which war? <laughs> it does Because <laughs> literally the movies take place so far apart. There's wars that are occurring that they don't even know what's happening yet. Because the last one takes place in the 90s. You know, kind of thing, which is funny because it looks like 1944 to me. Uh, does, does this movie push that one one into World War One, or does that movie push this one into the future? I sometimes you get an urge to take an uh, exhaustive look at the timeline, but I have a feeling someone has already done it better. I do know that every IMDb page on World War II movies made it in the 50s, or World War One movies made in the 30s, always point out that the hairstyles and civilian clothing are purely of the years it was made. So whether it's 1944 or 25 years earlier or 25 years later, I'm not going to expect the Mummy's Curse to be better than it than from here to eternity, Jack. <laughs> which is which is true because I said that to you. I said the the movie takes one takes place in 1944, then it's 25 years later, then it's 25 years later. So it's 50, it's 1994. That's a generation, right? But, but it's 1994, and it's like it looks like 1944 still. Um, you know, because remember back then they really thought there would be flying cars and like really like crazy stuff. You know, in 1970, when they make a movie that takes place in the incredible year 2000, it's like the year 2000 wasn't that incredible. Um, but Jack's right, though. Yeah, you definitely uh, see a lot of that when you look at uh, even war movies um, from the 50s and stuff like that. They look like in the 50s. They don't look like what during World War II. Or the movies made about World War One, unless they're really being, you know, dedicated to right. doing it. The old movies, I'm talking not about nowadays. Nowadays, they go absolutely insane trying to make the movies look 100% authentic. I'm thinking of like, um, like the new movie Midway that just that came right. out this year, and like even uh, even even like in Kong Skull Island, like when the the, the dog fight that's right. occurring, kind of thing, you know, kind of thing, or any of those movies that like that, they take a chance of. Yeah, well, the attention to detail uh, nowadays, if you don't, it, you're oh, going yeah, to get dinged, you're going to yeah, get dinged yeah. on, on it all the time. Yeah, but that's I think that's a funny part because you talk about that and what uh, Land Unknown, how they made sure yeah. that the numbering on the helicopter is the same, same. and like. Back then, no one cared about that stuff, but they literally, someone said, I mean, I, I have a very hard time believing it was that much of a coincidence. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> no, they, they just luckily got the right number. Someone said, hey, look, let's get this right. Well, and, no, well the thing is, remember, that, that all that stock footage, they said, oh, we got a stock footage of the helicopter, and it's 111. Well, when we make up, when we have the, okay, the mock-up. But, but not only that, the, the helicopter's used in three different scenes. It's three different things of stock footage. Yes. They went and made sure they got the same stock footage. It all has the same number. Because literally, they're watching a movie, and they could have it match one scene, but the next scene, the helicopter from stock footage is a different helicopter. Right. I mean, as it is, what do you call? You have, uh, um, what's it, the leech woman, where they're in there, and they saw the stock footage of the leopard. Like, it's three different leopards. leopards. It's three different stock footage. I'm like, how that, the leopard's, the grass is different height, the leopard's a different size. I mean, at one point, I think it's a tiger, you know, kind of thing, like, you know, and that's not a movie known for its continuity, but I'm just saying. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, that's my that's my yeah my weakness for movies is continuity. Yeah. But that, yeah, but it's just kind of funny though. Little things like that, and that definitely does the hairstyles and stuff give it away. And I think uh, one of the things we've kind of seen this year, we've talked about um, Overlord, and they did a very good job, I think, in that movie of trying to make sure everyone looked like they would have if they were fighting, you know, in Normandy and stuff like that. No one has like a crazy haircut. No one, no, no guys have earrings in. Like, but again. If if you, I mean, I'm sure someone will nitpick and say, "Well, you know, the Nazi uniform actually had," but 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 like, okay, great, uh, but at least they didn't have on just like a generic looking uniform. They at least had like swastikas on their arms and things like that. It looked real enough where it could pass the eye test. If you're a historian, quote unquote, you know, or like the guys we deal with who you know kind of 
Like well, this uniform should be this shade of gray. Right, okay. Right. Like, like you got to believe Okay, that's one thing. But to like, if, if, the, if the guys in there are supposed to be Nazis and they really are walking out and their uniforms are like clearly U.S. current U.S. military uniforms or they have like camouflage or something like that, they, they didn't wear that, you know, right. kind of thing. So I mean, if there's if there's one if there's one military uh, um, uh, you know nation that uh, that is is iconic, it's it's the Nazis. And I the, the, there are so many um, you know just just scene, not scenes, but there's so many um, historical evidence mm-hmm. to what they were that if you if you didn't do that and you were trying to make it like even in uh, Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. I mean, the, no, they, that's all spot on. Yeah, everything's spot on. I mean, there's no reason not to. Well, the thing is, but in the, in that, you can get you could get a Nazi uniform that looks like 1930s to 1940s in any costume store yeah. in, in the world. Yeah, but the thing is, but even but Inglorious Bastards, they did a really good job. I mean, if they weren't making a Tarantino movie. You literally could have been making a regular, right. real World War II movie, not a World War II movie that has Brad Pitt uh, doing the voices, uh, which is also great. So uh, our third email is, uh, again, another one about the mummy. This says, Kaharis, the original slasher. Now, this is from Luke, and Luke has been on this for years, that he, the mummy, the Kaharis, is really the birth of the slasher movie. So just, just trust me. Jay, really enjoyed your episode about The Mummy's Curse. Of course, I'm more prone, given my affection for mummy movies, for and for Kaharis in particular. Lon Chaney Jr. may not have liked playing Kaharis, but he does a great job with him, giving the character a lot of personality, as well as an imposing physical presence. Uh, we'd see a similar sort of performance, a little bit less hammy, a little bit more subtle, but similar, from Christopher Lee when he played the character. And let's just stop there for a second. It's just true. Kaharis is obviously the mummy from the the mummy. Hammers the mummy, which I think is the best mummy movie ever made. Um, to me, when people we talk about this, when people describe the mummy, they might say, "Oh, Boris Karloff played the mummy." They're not describing yeah. Karloff's mummy. They're describing Kaharis. They're describing a guy who's like dragging his foot, arm up. Like this is they're describing a big, you know, kind of guy. Whereas the mummy in the mummy, which could have been called the Egyptian, the original with the, with Karloff is basically Dracula again. It's basically the Dracula story just told a little, little differently, but it's a lot of that same thing. So Luke continues in many ways, the Kaharis film wherein he is introduced into a new setting with a new cast and proceeds to kill every kill several of them off and then dies himself only to be resurrected in the sequel are a prototypical version of what the slasher film, which would be codified in the 1970s and eighties, even more, even among the universal horrors, it is, it was pretty clear that the mummy was lower on the totem pole than his than their of their property. Excuse me. So whether these traits were arrived at intentionally or as a symptom of reduced time and money, I'm not sure. But personally, I lean towards the latter, and uh, that ties into the slasher formula even more, where sequels tended to be more of the same, specifically because of a reduced budget. So let's just stop there for a second. So Luke's obviously talking about. Um, I know you don't love the Friday the 13th movies, but let's face it, the Friday the 13th movie made a lot of money, so mm-hmm. they kept churning them out. And as you watch Friday the 13th movies, again, myself being a little more prone, you know, because I do love my Friday the 13th movies, there's nuances to different ones. But if you just look at them as a whole, it's a lot of the same, a lot of the same, a lot of the same. Why? Because they just guaranteed you return on money. And that's really what the, the, the Mummy sequels are. When you go dig deeper into them, there's some stuff in there. But on the surface, they're literally the same movie, the same thing mm-hmm. kind of getting kicked out. Your discussion about the difference between Imhotep and Kaharis was appreciated. As you said, when we think of a mummy monster, we picture Kaharis, a lumbering juggernaut wrapped in decaying linen. 
uh, Imhotep is more of a villain than a monster, especially given his portrayal by Arnold Voslo's Voslo in Stephen Summers' films. Yes, he lit initially has a monstrous appearance, but he uses reason, logic, and intellect to uh, to exert his will. Even at his most monstrous in the 1990 film A Walking Corpse, he is uh, recognizant enough to understand Benny in the tomb, recalling the language of the slaves. Maybe it's when Benny's speaking. Uh, right. He's holding up what the um, he's speaking uh, what like not Yiddish, but he's whatever he's like the, the different languages he's going through. I keep going through them, right? Um, and recruit him as a toady. Kaharis, as a general rule, must serve the high priest who resurrects him, removing any element of control from his personality, which makes him more obviously a monster. The idea of Kaharis being a high priest similar to Imhotep, as told in The Mummy's Hand, is, is, prickly, is quickly forgotten, which works out well given how popular the mummy monster trappings for which Kaharis is responsible. Specifically for The Mummy's Curse, the scene of Anaka rising from the swamp is one of the most memorable sequences of the 1940s Universal Horror Cycle. The camera is slightly undercranked, which is what creates the slightly sped up jerky movements as she staggers forward. Especially given that she is not normally uh, for the rest of the film, it gives the mummified Ananka a great introduction. Anyway, thanks for a fun episode about a classic bit of Universal Horror. I'd get into, I, I did get to introduce my kids to the Hammer Mummy this past Halloween season, and I get the feeling that at least some of them might grow up grow to be fans of Kahars like myself, Luke. Um, so, uh, the, the mummy, the, so Haley has seen, uh, she's, she had only seen one mummy movie before, then the first mummy movie she ever saw was Hammer's Mummy, which is set in the bar kind of high, I know, but she saw that and she's like, whoa, because she loves Christopher Lee and he loves uh, Peter Gushing. And then she has seen uh, Stephen Summers' The Mummy and she's like, that's not the same mummy. Like, she's like, this is a very different movie. Um, and then she saw the Scorpion King, well, the second one that has the Scorpion one, King, yeah. yeah, right? It has the really bad Scorpion King in it, not the really good Scorpion King we would later get in the Scorpion King. Um, and she liked that because it was The Rock, but she didn't like it because it was The Rock as an animated thing at the end in right. the Scorpion. But she liked the mummy stuff in it. And it's true, Imhotep is not the same mummy. And I think that's that's kind of a important kind of thing to make. When you look at the different kind, of, like, again, he, Imhotep is technically a mummy in these things, but he's... He's a high priest. He has control. He does all that stuff. And what happens is that in the movie, they have to take his power away so you can kill him. He's not a lumbering juggernaut, as Luke said, a monster. He's not like Frankenstein's monster. He's the he's more thinking and crafty and uses his powers, which I think why the mummy movies, the Stephen Summers mummy movies, stand out as being so different. I know people kind of look back at them and don't like them now, oh. but they were outstanding. And at the yep. time, people just, I think this is part of the problem. And I'm not trying to be you know, I know I got my soapbox here, but just because a movie is a little older doesn't mean it has to be bad. Like you can enjoy something and still like it later on. Even if effects got better, even if things get better, even if you could make the movie better now, just because you made it now doesn't make it better. I.e., see the mummy they made that starred, uh, what's his face? Um, Tom, Cruise, Tom Cruise, because that's not any good. Right. And they had a lot of money to make that movie. They had lots and lots of money. You had big name stars. Yet you watch the Stephen Summers uh, mummy movies, even the one that I think is the Misfire, the one, um, the Dragon Empire, whatever, the Dragon yeah. Emperor. Yeah. I think that one's kind of like, eh, we didn't need that one, you know, kind of thing, because yeah, it just, doesn't make sense. Yeah, but just just for money. Yeah, well, no, I know what I'm saying, but it, no. <clears throat> but if that movie itself is just kind of doesn't fit well with the others, but it's not horrible. It's not like, oh my god, this is such a bad thing. But people look back at them sometimes like, oh, those weren't that good. I'm like. No, the problem is when you saw it, you loved it, you enjoyed it. There's nothing that says you can't still enjoy it, 
even if you think, man, it'd be really cool if they had had more money or they had more of this or they made another sequel. That's fine. You see it with the Pirates of the Caribbean, all those movies. Go back and watch the first one. It's nothing like the last one, like the amount of money they spent. And those were all cut. I mean, the most cutting edge effects you could have are those movies. Okay, does it mean the first one's bad and the last one's great? And no, it just means that they're just made at different times. So. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the with – the, I mean, I think one of the reasons why The Mummy was not one of uh, Universal's, um, you know, uh, you know, big time uh, monsters is that to the extent that he's a lumbering creature. Well, he is in these movies. Yeah, no, I'm saying in, in the in the in the Universal one. No, no, but in the original Universal. See, remember the the. I mean, I think the original <clears throat> Mummy, if it were called the Egyptian, I think people would like it better. But literally, that movie is not about a no, mummy. No, no, it's but, about Imhotep, right? But, it, but it's but it's the classic image. Of of that that was it twenty second twenty seconds second, yeah of of uh, of uh, Carlos yeah. but again even in in any of the sequels the mummy can't catch you if you if even if you're a cripple you can still get away from him and that's that's one of the one of the problems with those movies is that in a way they're a little bit ludicrous in that he is a monster that he's just a monster in in appearance but he's not he can't do anything okay. but that but that's what Luke's <clears throat> talking about too think about this. Is uh, and now you've seen. And I know you don't like the Halloween movies all the time either, like the later sequels. But you saw the original Halloween. Right. You saw um, Rob Zombie's remake. Perfect example. Yeah. Right. Does Michael Myers ever run in a movie? No, but he's no, he, but he's walking. Right, but he's right. ambulatory. Okay. But does Jason Voorhees ever run in a movie? No, no, no. They just walk. That's an I. That's what Luke's getting at. I guarantee you that. That's an homage back to Kaharis. Kaharis is, I know, I, he's walking slow. I get that he's walking right. really slow. But let's be honest. We also thought quicksand was a big problem. I thought quicksand was going to be a big problem growing up. I've never ran into my entire life, and people are getting stuck in it every time in these movies, Dad. I mean, there's westerns where guys die in quicksand. But so the problem is, is that you have to believe that he's able to just, he he will never stop. Right, but he's like a Terminator. But again, it's the 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 issue that I have with, with the with the, the mummy and, and all their sequels is that if he was... If he was like the the fifteenth the, the hammer mummy, where he was a he was a humanoid, but he had, he oh, had yeah, full right, use right, of yeah. his arms yeah, and yeah, legs, yeah. I could understand him being being really uh, you know a, a scary guy. Here, it's just the makeup that may make fear come into your in, into your mind. But again, all you have to do is just you, if you just walk backwards, you could get away from these guys. Yeah, oh, no, now, I understand. When, yeah. But when when you got to the the Sumner movies, Vaslu is mm. he is an adversary. And he, there, it's not, it's, he is, he is there and he is, um, uh, he is vicious and he is a meaningful uh, opponent to the, uh, you know, to the, let's say the good guys. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, right. And, and the way, the way those movies were put together is that if you watch that, just watch the first one again, if you haven't seen it in a while, the, the, the whole entire ensemble, the music, the plot, yeah. Even even the uh, what the, the I guess the the Egyptian, um, the keepers of the flame, so to speak. Mm, yeah, uh, those, yeah. That that whole story just makes makes it makes yeah. it really interesting. Yeah. And then all of the uh, the plagues. That, oh uh, right, yeah, that yeah. come out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it also helps too that the I mean, when it was made, and definitely there's some tongue in cheek in there too to kind of keep it like Brandon Frazier. Yeah, know, well, is it, it's kind of it's treated like it's not quite like Indiana Jones. Where you know, like Indiana Jones is a very the, the, all the Jim Jones movies are serious, but there's always that little wink every right. now and then. There's played a little more for laughs in it, 
kind of like, but it's to kind of keep it light so that the movie was made, it was made for a more general audience. It's not a horror movie. It's, it's supposed to be an action movie, which is, I think, but again, people like, it's like anything else that they look back. If it's not the newest thing, some people just uh, throw it away. Like literally there's, they were good movies and there's no reason to kind of like dismiss them. I think that's part of what, and that's why, that's why the, the, the cruise movie was, was such a bomb. I mean, there, that she's not a mummy. That's an Ansonama, you know. It, it gets, well, she is a mummy. She's yeah, wearing but, but wraps. The, I mean, right, you know, but, the, but, but, to, but to make it a woman mummy, um, well, no, was badass. Uh, that's well, a, no, okay. but that but again, but she can. That, that that's not the more the issue. More the issue with that movie is literally that instead of just going and telling they 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 had to make the story too convoluted. They had to change right. this. They had to do that instead of just telling a story. Right. They can't just tell a story. Now it's got to have this and that and the other thing and. And again, she, it could have been a woman. It could have been not. It could have been an Oxunaman, you know, as the mummy. If she's now because she's up, she was a high priestess. If she had powers like you saw in right. the, in the, that makes sense. But the problem is, you're supposed to now get. You just, it's just so you're watching the movie going. Wait, what? 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 Yeah. Like it's just, it's just too convoluted. And then you have to like try to introduce, you know. Doctor Jekyll and uh, or like all this we, stuff, we, right? Which never materialized. Well, no, because that the whole series of movies got stopped because of this. Yeah. But I'm saying, but it's like, why did we have to make it so convoluted? Why couldn't you just tell a story? But that, but I, but I think that's, I think that's what happens all the time because everyone's so worried about making these tentpole movies, and I got to make this movie that's going to leak this series and this. And that. You just make a movie, just make a movie mm-hmm. that people enjoy going to see. And it, you know what? Like, it, not every single thing has to change your life. Make a movie. Uh, it, it's it's just frustrating. I think it's it's the it's the Marvel, it's the whatever world that we now live in, where every movie's got to build to the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing, because it's got to be a series. It got to be this. Like, and it's, I'm not saying that it's it has to be bad. I mean, like all the Harry Potter movies all built, and I know there are a bunch of books, but like, but each one of those movies stands by itself right. as a movie. Instead of being like, well, it, well, it, don't worry, we're not going to give you all of it. You can't tease the audience the whole time, yeah. and you can't make the movie so convoluted. And think about it: if you can make Lord of the Rings understandable to the masses, where literally people have almost the exact same name throughout there, <laughs> right, and names that are 10, 15, 20 characters long, and like, I mean, they're long movies, and you're not sitting in Lord of the Rings going, "Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. What? Who are these people?" Like, and I'm not saying. And again, think about it, those are movies that are long. The the mummy was at most was not even two hours. The 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 one with um, Tom Cruise. I mean, maybe it was two hours, yeah. but it seemed like it was a, like four hours long. Whoa. It made no sense. I've tried watching it. Two, I've watched it all the way through, and I tried watching it again. I thought, what? I just don't enjoy any of it. Yeah. So there's no point in watching it. And then I wind up feeling myself riffing it, which is not what I'm trying to do. Right, right. I mean, I can riff it. That's not a problem. But I mean. It's not. It's not. This isn't. This isn't going with the wind. Where right. I'm just going to totally and you know, it anyway. Is, so. when, when when you go to when you try to remake, uh, let's say a classic a classic story like like the Mummy, or even even Benicio del Toro's uh, uh, take the on the Wolfman. Yeah. I mean, with it was was it was it technically sound? Yes. The was effects it, were outstanding. The effects were outstanding. Yeah, Rick Baker's but, makeups were great. But but was there a reason to no. make that movie? No. But but again, but the problem is there is that instead of telling because the movie was I thought it was going along well, but I think. Part of what the problem was when you watched it, I watched it the other day because I wanted to show Haley the part with Sir John because I did the right. Sir John piece. The makeups are awesome. Haley goes, these makeups look great, Dad. I said, yeah, the problem is there's, there's like all this nothing that occurs for an hour and 10 minutes, minutes in there. Did Dad and I sat in the movies and watched it. She goes, you and Grandpa went to the movies and saw it. They go, yeah, we yeah. were hoping for a great movie. I said, it's got a good open, nothing, and then a great end. I said, the middle is just boring until you make the cardinal sin of making a movie. 
But you said, Jay, you want to keep the movie simple. I didn't say it had to be boring. Movies don't have to be boring to be good. Just don't make them too convoluted and just don't be boring. Give me something. Yes. The worst that happens is this, is that like if you're sitting in a movie, I don't care how bad the movie is. Let's say, I don't know, like Chopping Mall, which we're covering on the vault. Okay. That's, just, that's okay. the one with the killer robots, right? Right. right? That movie's not boring. Is the acting good? Nope. nope. Is the special effects high tech? Nope. nope. Nothing in that movie is high tech or great about it. Oh, if we saw it at the, uh, at but the, it's not. But it's not boring. No, I but mean, it's not boring. When, <laughs> when you walk out, when you walk out of the theater, you say, "Did I get my ten dollars worth?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But well, you're watching that, going, "Okay, this is this is a hoot. This is this is certainly not a boring film." You're not sitting there going, "Oh man, I was so bored when those robots were, sh you know, shooting a laser and blowing that lady's head up who was wearing no top and running around <clears throat> naked the entire time." Like literally, it's not made to be high cinema. I think that's part of the problem. Sometimes they forget you're making a movie to be, if you're making a movie to be high cinema, then you're making a different kind of film right. than you're making the Wolfman and the thing or the stay, mummy. Stay true yeah. to your vision right. from beginning to end. Anyway. So, well, all right, folks, I think we're getting a little far afield yeah, here. Yeah. It's okay. So, um, so yeah, like I said, we're, this is again, obviously if you're listening to this, you know, this. we dropped this after our December episode, which was upgrade, which is like a movie that we both love. Oh, oh, perfect example. Upgrade could be really confusing. That movie could have been really confusing, but I thought they did a really good job of laying it out in order and right. makes sense and they explain stuff. And do you know everything right away? No. Oh. But at the end, when you learn that it's been taking control of it, you learn that, oh my God, now it makes sense. But it wasn't so, it wasn't the whole time through. You, what happens, they lead you down one path to swerve you to the other way. And you're like, oh man, you kind of, not that you right. feel huge, you're like, oh, that was awesome. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. It doesn't have to literally be the beginning of one episode, the middle of like a Western, and then the end be something different. Like, what was I even watching? It's It doesn't have to do that. You literally can just tell a story and you can swerve people and make things happen differently, but you don't have to make it so convoluted. They're like, I don't understand. Right. So, but yeah, so we, we did upgrade. Dad and I will be back. Now, so our December episode, we are, we're going to be covering Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original right. take from 84. Uh, now, Dad and I both own uh both the regular 82 minute cut and then we have the 85 minute cut 85 minutes i think it's the 85 and 110 no not 110 oh no 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 no, 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 no. no it's 80 it's 882 82 and then 80. 85 right. there's three minutes total of extra footage put in and when we watch and we'll talk about this when we get to the the christmas episode is that the the unrated cut uh, and because I, I have the, I have the newer release from Shout Factory, and Dad has the original, the 20th anniversary release. I mean, the stuff that they cut out, you think, well, nowadays that would totally be allowed in a movie, and it would be. Right. But back in 1984, man, was it not allowed! And the boy, that that movie caught all, caused a lot of controversy. But as we know, controversy creates cash. So, yeah. all right, Dad. So this is wraps up our feedback episode. We'll be back with them in a few days for our Christmas episode. So, until then, folks, keep those cards and letters coming. And keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? 
Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?